0: To the RPC Sermons podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome, to Roswell Presbyterian Church, for this fourth Sunday of Advent. It's a joy to be in worship with you. If you didn't have a chance, to come to our glory of Christmas concert last week, it was absolutely fantastic. If you missed it, you can go and watch it, or you can relive it on the church website. Um, it's just a great, uh, great performance, a great celebration to come together. I want to remind you of the six services we have on Christmas Eve. Three o'clock family service in the sanctuary, a five and a seven traditional service in the sanctuary, an eight o'clock modern service in this space, a ten o'clock outside on the mimosa side of the front lawn and an 11 o'clock uh, in traditional service in the sanctuary. And then I also want to remind you on next Sunday, December 26th, there's only one service, and it's at 1030, and it's going to be a bluegrass-style service in the sanctuary. So I want to welcome you to come to that. And as I've been promoting it, um, Lindsay Slocum will be f- uh, serving uh, mimosas after the service. So, but she can't expense it, so it's on her dime. So... Um, all right, let's look. We've looked at the gifts of Adam. Peace, hope, love, and today we're going to look at the theme of joy. So let us open our hearts and minds to hear the word of the Lord from Luke 1, verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to, Ju- to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments, you might be our teacher. That you might speak a word to our hearts, to speak of your joy revealed in Jesus Christ as only you can. Now may the words of mine off the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Today's text reveals two women at two very different stages of life. We have Elizabeth and we have Mary. One is advanced in years and has been married for a long time. The other is a young virgin, still waiting to finalize her marriage. One has been ostracized by her community because of her barrenness. The other is about to be ostracized because she got pregnant early. One is married to a priest who wrestles with trusting in God's promises. The other is married to a man who is going to try to send her away when he finds out she's pregnant. These two very different women in very different stages of life, though, find themselves in similar circumstances. Both of their futures are about to change. Everything that they expected out of life, everything that they thought was possible, everything they presumed that was going to be happening in the future, has now been upended. One is carrying the Messiah, the, the Savior of the world. The other is carrying the one, John the Baptist, who comes to prepare the way. These women, in two very different ages and stages of life, find themselves in a similar and unpredictable circumstance. They're pregnant when they least expected to be. Whatever plans they had for their lives, God has intervened and changed their plans. I bet they're wondering, am I prepared for this? Am I going to have what it takes? Am I too old? Am I too young? What are people going to say? Is this a gift of God or is this a curse? I think we can identify with their predicament. How do you deal with changes of plans in your life? Have you ever gotten a new job and asked, what have I gotten myself into? Or maybe you got engaged, and you thought, what have I just done? I have a whole story about that, but that's for a later time. Or did you not get into the college that you thought you were a shoe in for, and you say, what am I going to do now? Or maybe your children have left the house, and you're an empty nester. and You say, what defines me? Who am I? When our plans change, when unexpected events arise, when the What we predicted to come to pass doesn't happen. What do we do? How do we step faithfully into an unknown future? The great Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard wrote and thought a lot about this question. He famously said, life can only be understood looking backward, but it must be lived going forward. Life can only be understood looking backward, but it must be lived going forward. How do we live in an unpredictable future? This idea is developed in Kierkegaard's book, Repetition. Soren grew up in Copenhagen, Denmark. His father was one of the richest men in the city, and so when he died, he left Soren a great inheritance, allowed him to sit and write and read in his apartment, and occasionally he would go on vacation. One weekend, he decided to go from Copenhagen to Berlin for vacation. He had the most amazing weekend. He stays in this hotel. He has this room with this beautiful view of the city skyline. He goes to the, this restaurant. He has the most delicious di- uh, 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 dinner and dessert. I mean, it was incredible. Blew his mind. He went to, goes to the opera. He says, the opera blew him away. It was so beautiful, so moving. It was powerful. I just had the best weekend. Goes back home. Several months later, he says, You know what? I need another vacation. So he good, decides to go back to Berlin. And he's going to relive that weekend he had. It was so magnificent. Goes to the same hotel. Guess what? The room this time, it's on the inside. He doesn't have a view of the city. He's got these noisy, rude neighbors who are staying next to him. It's miserable. Goes to the same restaurant, orders the same dinner. It's bland and mediocre. Nothing like last time. He tries to go to the opera. Guess what? It's sold out. He says, he has the most miserable weekend. And he says, this is a lot like life. We want to relive it. But new circumstances occur. And we can't make it happen again. We can't do it again. There's too many factors to predict. And Kierkegaard says, he says, this, and he's kind of an ironic writer. He says, this Is repetition. The only thing that you can repeat in life is that it cannot be repeated. That's repetition. You can never go home again. You can never step in the same river twice. Therefore we must look at the past, we must learn from it, but realize we can only live into the future. No matter what plans we set, be prepared for them to to change. As that old joke says, if you want to see God laugh, make plans. How do we step into an unknown future? With faith and ultimately joy. I believe Elizabeth's response to Mary reveals kind of a hidden secret here of how we can live into an unknown future with faith and joy. Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and she goes on in verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth says Mary is blessed because she believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. She's blessed because she believes and trusts in the promises of God. I always love this scene where the baby Then Elizabeth leaps for joy. I wonder if if Mary felt very blessed in that moment. I've been thinking a lot about babies lately and, you know, the preparation, you know, all the worries. Do we have enough diapers? Do we have enough formula? How am I going to get up at night? Will I be able to preach in the morning? I could just see Mary obsessing about this. I wonder if she's feeling the joy of blessing facing that unknown future. I mean, can you imagine if they had social media back then? Mary, you know, she looks on her Facebook page. She posts a picture of them. She's like, I'm holding the Savior of the world, and I only got three likes. Elizabeth's like, oh, and look at that. Remember that ex-boyfriend Jerry from high school. Look at that creepy comment he made. You know, right? I wonder if she's feeling joy. But notice the details here. Before Elizabeth says anything, the text says she is filled with the Holy Spirit, and the baby leaps within her. See, the Holy Spirit is God's future in the present moment, and the one inside her who will eventually become John the Baptist leaps for joy. You see, joy should not be confused with happiness. Happiness is usually contingent on our present circumstances, and joy is not so. Joyce springs up from trusting in the promises of God. We don't know how God is working behind the scenes, but we must have faith, we must trust in God's promises. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go hear the pastor and theologian, Barbara Brown Taylor, speak. Time magazine had just named her of the, one of the 100 most influential people in the world. And when a preacher makes it onto that list, you got to pay attention. I said, why do people find her so interesting and compelling? So she was doing an event where she was reading from her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark. And in the book, she tells this interesting story about visiting Cumberland Island off the coast of Georgia with her husband. And one day, they're walking among the dunes. And they come across this stranded giant turtle, appears to be lost, almost on the edge of death because it's been baking in the afternoon sun. She knows what happened. The the turtle was trying to lay eggs and and got lost and can't find the ocean. And so Barbara's husband runs to go find a ranger, and she begins putting sand, trying to cool the turtle down, sand on him. About an hour later, her husband and the ranger come. And they flip the turtle on its back, and they tie chains around it. And then they drag it towards the ocean. And Barbara begins to worry about the turtle. She says, she says, I'm worried about all the sand that's going in its throat. I don't want her to choke. I'm worried about the chains, how tied they're holding her, dragging her along. Worried about her neck. But finally, the jeep makes it to the ocean. They untie the turtle. They, they flip her over and they usher her to the ocean. And as she walks in the ocean, as the The cool ocean waves fall on her. She comes back to life, and she swims off. And then Barbara Brown Taylor reveals why she's one of the 100 most influential people in the world, and she says this. Watching her, watching the turtle swim slowly away after her nightmare ride through the dunes, I noted that it is sometimes hard to tell whether you you are being killed or saved by the hands that turn your life upside down. It's hard to tell whether you are being killed or saved by the hands that turn your life upside down. What is God up to in my life? I didn't see a bigger purpose. I was beginning to wonder when my life was upside down. Is is God at work behind the, the scenes of my life? God was behind the scenes of Mary's life. As Luke tells it, the angel said to Mary, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Even though you may not feel it, you've got to trust it. Trust in the promises of God, and it will bring you joy, but joy is not contingent on our present circumstances. Joy comes from trusting the promises of God. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity to go see the country legend Lucinda Williams in concert. And Lucinda, she is a feisty Southern woman. I, and I love, I love feisty Southern women. I know some of you are, would fall in that category. We won't name names. And that night she sang this song, Joy. And there's not, there's not a lot of like, lyrics to the song, but it's got this kind of angry guitar lick. And she basically talks about this ex-boyfriend who did her wrong and stole her Joy. She sings, I don't want you anymore because you took my joy. I don't want you anymore because you took my joy. You took my joy, and I want it back. You took my joy, and I want it back. And then she starts going looking for joy. She says, she goes, I'm going to West Memphis to look for my joy. I'm going to Slidell to look for my joy. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, Lucinda, girl, joy is not contingent. You can't find it out there. You find it in here by trusting in God's promises revealed in Jesus Christ. I said that, she didn't even listen. <laughs> but there's a real truth there, that she's going out looking for joy in all these places and can't find it because it's been stolen. But joy comes internally from trusting in the promises of God. That's joy. In the 20th century, two of the most famous Christian thinkers, the theologians and philosophers were C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton. Against a backdrop of often a very dour, sad, and frustrated culture, one of their great themes, they both shared this, was joy, Christian joy. C.S. Lewis spent his early years in an idyllic, kind of comfortable childhood, till at the age of nine, his mother died of cancer. And from then on, he was kind of shuffled from boarding school to boarding school. As he grew up, he was influenced by the writings of Bertrand Russell, and he became an atheist. He continued to search. He wanted to return to that feeling he had in the first nine years of his life before his mom passed. And he continued to read, and eventually he came across the writings of G.K. Chesterton. And he encountered in Chesterton something novel, something unique, a view about Christian joy. Chesterton said, joy is the small publicity of the pagan, but the gigantic secret of the Christian." Joy is the small publicity of the pagan, but the gigantic secret of the Christian. And as he continued his spiritual journey, Lewis eventually comes to faith, and he's got the greatest story about coming to faith. He's with his brother. His brother has a motorcycle. And Lewis is riding in the sidecar. This must have been quite a scene. And he says, They're going to the zoo. And when they left, he did not believe. But when they got to the zoo and he got out of the sidecar, he did. And he said, He said it was the most magnificent miracle. and He said he was filled with joy. And guess what he says? In his memoir, he titles it, Surprised by Joy. Joy is not contingent on our present circumstances. As Lewis says, all joy is the business of heaven. And joy is this great response we can have to the gift God reveals in Jesus Christ. This is what we celebrate at Advent, true joy. That in Jesus Christ, God has revealed someone we can trust who is for us. That's the heart of the Christian message. That God is for us in Jesus Christ. Whether we are high or low, it's going well or it's not. Whether, wherever we might find ourselves, we can gather together in joy. When we gather together in Advent, we gather in a spirit of joy because of what God has done in Jesus Christ in that manger. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you for all that you've done for us, for the great joy we can have in response to what you've done in Jesus Christ. We pray that that might be at the center of our lives, our heart, our community this Advent. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.